0: Today from the Global Lane, 15 months after war in the Southern Caucasus, Armenian POWs are still being held captive by Azerbaijan.
1: Captives were targeted because of uh, not only ethnicity but also religion.
0: Who can help free the Christian prisoners and settle the dispute? Commitment and continued leadership, that's what we expect from the U.S. America trending towards socialism, making capitalism great
2: again. Right now, we're in the greatest times ever. Creativity is God's secret weapon against the enemy. And Freedom Convoy trucking and praying in a woke world.
0: And it's all right here on The Global Lane. More than a year after war in the disputed Caucasus region of Nagorno-Karabakh, Azerbaijan still holds Armenian prisoners of war. Why? And after more than 30 years of conflict over the territory, can the two countries ever reach an agreement? Well, joining us to share their perspectives are the former Armenian ambassador to the U.S., Grigor Hovangenisyan, and Armenian human rights attorney, Sir Anush Sahakian. Sahakyan. Mr. Ambassador, I'd like to start with you. We've been reporting about this territorial dispute ever since the fall of the Soviet Union in the early 1990s, Please explain to our viewers why Nagorno-Karabakh is so important to the Christians of Armenia. Isn't it primarily a Muslim territory?
3: Nagorno-Karabakh is one of the the, uh, essential foreign policy uh, issues Armenia, uh, as an independent country, had to deal with ever since it became independent 30 years ago. It is not a territorial dispute, uh, as, as you just mentioned, you know, for us. It's a, it's a fundamental uh, uh, right of the people of uh, Nagorno-Karabakh, the Armenian population that has been living on its uh, ancestral land for, for two millennia at least, uh, to, uh, to determine their future through self-determination. This is a, uh, uh, an Armenian populated uh, Christian, old uh, uh, conser- conservative Christian uh, uh, country. That has been there, uh, uh, and the existence of that community has been on, on, on the record uh, for, for the last 2,000 years. So, uh, some of the oldest uh, churches, early Christian heritage we have as, as an Armenian nation, is in Nagorno-Karabakh. So, it's not a territory; it's the it's the hearth, is the is the is one of the uh, uh, ecclesiastical centers of our. Uh, uh, Christian civilization uh, Turkey interfered on behalf uh, and uh, uh, and through its entire uh, military might uh, behind Azerbaijan's uh, uh, attempt to unilaterally and militarily uh, uh, end the conflict and obviously that was a, a tremendous formidable force that would uh, uh, that resulted in uh, in a, a excruciating uh, defeat uh, and and uh, 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 for for Armenia, it took a, a tremendous toll on uh, in terms of human lives. Uh, uh, on uh, and our uh, military forces are are now uh, considerably uh, depleted. But the question is not uh, resolved essentially. Yeah, uh, uh, which is testament to the argument we all we had all all, all, all along. You yeah. uh, know, this type of conflict, this type type of uh, Crisis cannot be resolved militarily, uh, and you have to have a political solution. And the political solution is that the people uh, THAT live uh, on their ancestral land, that they're self-organized, they, they have uh, they elect their, uh, their uh, self-rule institutions, they aspire to democratic, you know, uh, participation. They cannot live under the uh, dictatorial rule of uh, of a majority. That is, uh, it's not even a question of compatibility, as, as I said. Uh, Karabakh Armenians are, are Christians, and they're facing, you know, uh, a Muslim country that is, is also happened to be uh, undemocratic. Uh, and these people c- continue to maintain uh, that they will uh, the struggle for the recognition, for becoming uh, a nation, uh, for becoming for, for their right uh, to to exist and uh, self-rule, uh, to be recognized.
0: Sarah a question for you: You represent the families of prisoners of war still being held by Azerbaijan. So how many POWs are still being held? For what reason? What is Azerbaijan saying about it?
1: Um, Thank you for this possibility to discuss the concerns about humanitarian issues. Uh, So after one and a half uh, years, uh, the, the war, the bloody war, we still have uh, unresolved humanitarian issues, and uh, one of uh, the key points is uh, non-repatriation of prisoners of war. So, officially, as to this point, uh, 46 uh, POWs remain in Azerbaijan. Uh, Azerbaijan officially acknowledged their capt- uh, captivity, but uh, for different uh, reasons, they refused to repatriate. Uh, mainly, they refer to uh, technical issues, but also they try to create uh, artificial legal uh, grounds to justify the delay in repatriation, particularly. Uh, they launched the uh, uh, criminal proceedings, uh, blaming uh, Armenian captives uh, for different types of um, offenses. Uh, they started with uh, terrorism, um, fortunately uh, they modified uh, the charges during the court proceedings and now uh, they, they brought uh, charges and convict Armenian prisoners for illegal uh, border crossing.
0: Up next, more on the plight of Armenian prisoners of war one year after the Armenian-Azerbaijan conflict over Nagorno-Karabakh, and how they've been mistreated because of their Christian faith. More than a year after war in the disputed Caucasus region of Nagorno Karabakh, Azerbaijan still holds Armenian prisoners of war. Joining us to share their perspectives are the former Armenian ambassador to the U.S., Grigor Hovanhanisian, and Armenian human rights attorney, Suranush Sahakian. Saranush, tell us about some of those prisoners and their families.
1: I CAN MENTION THE CASE OF uh, uh, LUDVIK MGRCHAN. ACTUALLY, uh, HE'S AN ELDERLY MAN, AND uh, HE WAS TARGETED BECAUSE OF uh, HIS AGE. Uh, BECAUSE OF HIS AGE, THERE WAS A POTENTIAL FOR HIM uh, TO TAKE PART uh, IN THE FIRST AND SECOND WAR uh, OF nagorno karabakh AND um, uh, NOW uh, THEY MADE CHARGES AGAINST HIM uh, FOR TORTURING um, uh, AZERBAIJANI uh, PRISONERS uh, OF WAR. Uh, during the first uh, war in the 19th. Uh, but actually, uh, he, he was a shoemaker. He worked in a construction. He does not have any relation with uh, alleged um, uh, torturing and uh, whatsoever. Uh, he's married, has uh, two children, um, 19 and uh, 12 years old. Uh, and uh, interestingly, we have uh, also video material showing the captivity of Ludwig. Uh, with brutal physical uh, abuse by Azerbaijani soldiers against him. Uh, and um, uh, then we have uh, we see also how uh, he was blindfolded together with other soldiers, their hands and foot were tied together. And with the use of metal uh, skewers, Azerbaijani soldiers are uh, dragging them and uh, beating, and uh, also. Uh, filming these scenes and uh, uh, disseminating with the aim of uh, to terrorize Armenian uh, society. Uh, And uh, interestingly, many uh, captives uh, uh, were targeted because of uh, not only ethnicity, but also religion. Um, Most harsh forms of um, uh, treatment occurred in respect uh, of soldiers. Uh, who had signs of uh, religious signs uh, like cross um, uh, signs, other types of signs, um, uh, books, uh, holy books, uh, etc. Uh, and they removed uh, all religious uh, symbols. Uh, and um, more interestingly, when uh, some of them requested books, uh, they they gave, uh, for example, Quran. Uh, or books uh, titled uh, Armenian uh, terrorists. So uh, during the captivity, uh, they were humiliating uh, in a way um, uh, to to impact on their religious uh, beliefs as well.
0: Okay. And finally, Mr. Ambassador, what would you like to see the United States do? Don't Russia and Turkey have more influence and interest in the region? Shouldn't they help resolve this?
3: Well, first of all, uh, let me tell you that the United States has, has been uh, uh, by the side of Armenia all these years. Uh, we've been uh, lucky to have and uh, be able to to build a uh, uh, very strong partnership. And the uh, U.S. Uh, U.S.'s presence, keeping an eye on on, on the developments, is, is is key. You know, uh, the whole thing, the the war was was unleashed when the world was was facing a perfect storm. Uh, with the uh, elections in the U.S., with pandemic, et cetera, that was the momentum when when you know the masterminds of of this Karabakh 2020 war unleashed you know this uh, provoked this uh, major flare-up that uh, destabilized the entire region. It is key. It is essential for for U.S. Uh, and we're very thankful for uh, the administration. That has been uh, very vocal and unequivocal uh, about, about uh, the necessity, the need to restart the, the, the political process. That was that sent a very strong signal. What we need to do, I mean, we were not asking U.S. to interfere militarily. That would be a naive thing to, to propose. But putting the, you know, these uh, uh, um, the, uh, regimes uh, in in Turkey and Azerbaijan in their right place uh, is is something that is in the, within the, the powers within the region, you know, of the, of the U.S. We we hope that they would uh, uh, steer uh, this process. Because withdrawal of, or, or less of involvement, engagement, uh, uh, results in calamities, uh, and the war uh, uh, was testament to that. You know, as I said, U.S. was uh, uh, very uh, busy with uh, uh, with, with the dramatic traumatic electoral process, uh, and it's, its 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 aftermath, and, and uh, uh, as it, uh, the foreign policy priorities were being reshuffled. Uh, the, the the problem of uh, of uh, southern Caucasus uh, was not uh, uh, receiving, uh, I would say, adequate uh, attention. But now we feel like the, the U.S. Is, is is back, and we feel like it uh, that presence and uh, engagement in the political process uh, through uh, other capitals, also through working with Turkey. I mean, Turkey is. is it's become a very difficult, unpredictable partner, but uh, uh, I think we see that US is nevertheless is trying to, to maintain a certain level of dialogue and also bring up uh, uh, the, the issues that affect uh, Armenia's security in Karabakh. So uh, uh, that's uh, uh, obviously bilateral engagement about uh, multilateral through the Minsk group and uh, co-chairmanship, uh, that, that's what we expect from the U.S. Uh, co- commitment and continued leadership. Uh, this region will not be able to uh, 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 restore uh, uh, semblance of stability uh, uh, without uh, without U.S. Uh, obviously, there's uh, Russia that has been uh, a metropolis, has uh, long historic influence and, uh, uh, in the region, and has, has been a security guarantor for the people of Karabakh. But political settlement entails uh, participation of U.S., and we hope that that perspective is maintained uh, 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 regardless of type of administration we have in Washington.
0: Okay. Former Armenian ambassador to the U.S. Grigor Hovhanisian and Armenian human rights attorney Suranush Sakian, thank you for providing those insights. Thank you, Gary. Yeah. Gallup's most recent poll on American views of capitalism and socialism found an astonishing divide based on political affiliation. Gallup reports that Democrats continue to rate socialism more favorably than capitalism. 65% of Democrats have a positive view of socialism. Republicans, only 14% like the idea. So which view is likely to win out in the post-pandemic era, and what might that mean for us? Our next guest is a staunch defender of capitalism. He's John DeLemme, founder of the Conservative Business Journal and author of the book, Making Capitalism Great Again. John, it's great to have you with us. So let's get right into your book. You believe our free enterprise system is being destroyed by socialists. So give us the broad view here. How are they accomplishing that, and how bad is it?
2: Sure, and Gary, even as you read those numbers from the Gallup polls, you kind of saw my face. I was like, I was like just just gritting my teeth like there is no positivity from socialism it's total manipulation of one's talent you know god gives us talents to create prosper earn income be able to tithe and bless others socialism just manipulates and shuts and shuts people's potential down and it's ultimately a a control factor they they want to control people's potential capitalism is why this country was founded upon this country everyone came to america to develop, prosper, build, and take God's given talents and prosper and earn income and provide for the family. And even the 14% of the Republicans, I don't know who they are, they're probably the rhinos because there's not one aspect of socialism that works. It shuts everything down. It's free, everyone gets a trophy, everyone loses, but the big time politicians, it's a complete scam.
0: Yeah, they they get richer and richer. Now you list three reasons socialism destroys our ability to prosper in life and business. How does it steal opportunities and manipulate and control minds? Give us some current examples here, John.
2: Sure. You see what happens right now when the when a pandemic hit, what did they do? They went into lockdown to shut down small businesses. Ninety four percent of America is 10 employees or less, small business entrepreneurs. And socialism steals opportunities because an opportunity is the ability for someone to earn income and prosper. And what happens is if you can't run a business, operate a business, open up a business, and give and give service to a customer and give service to a client, you can't prosper. You know, I always take socialism as kind of like the scripture, John 10.10. 10 that socialism comes to steal, kill, and destroy, which is the devil. God comes to, to, be able to, to be able to prosper you and give you an abundant life, which is capitalism, which capital is something in your mind. It's a dream, it's a vision, it's an idea. That's capitalist, an asset. And I get real passionate about it because ultimately, capitalism gives you the opportunity to innovate, and I believe right now we're in the greatest times ever. You're gonna see, Gary, in the next two to five years, the greatest move of ideas, innovation, creation, ever. Creativity is God's secret weapon against the enemy. You write that
0: socialism turns people from being givers to getters. You mention in the
2: Bible that we're reaping what we sow. Explain. That's right. I mean, that's that's the ultimate negative result of socialism. There's not one person that receives a stimulus check and says, you know what, I'm going to tithe on this. Wow, I just got to, wow, look what came in the mail. I'm going to tithe to my church. The ultimate radical left, the Democrats, which are really communists, which is anti-God, they want to control your income. They want to control your ability to prosper. And it turns you from a getter. What can I get for free? Well, if I stay home, I don't work, and I I file unemployment. I'll get this amount of money. I keep it for my family. I do nothing. And that's slothfulness and laziness and lack of integrity. So it turns you from from a, a giver, a cheerful giver, to a getter
0: so what does the future look like john more of a mix of the two systems or what
2: there's really no mix of two systems it, it, it's capitalism it, it's the ability for for people to to produce a product serve a customer and add value and and i want to i want to speak this to people's lives today i truly believe big problem big opportunity many of you have been praying for an opportunity god will give you a problem to see an opportunity. In all the stories in the Bible, God, Jesus will will tell stories about problems and then inside that is an opportunity. So I I truly believe you're gonna see the evolution, the innovation and creation of the greatest explosion in America right now because we have our constitution, we have our freedom and it's 100%. We live and breathe in America because it's the only place in the world you can produce, you can dream, you you can have a vision, and you can earn income. And ultimately, God is looking for those that will step out in faith. That will, you know, faith doesn't make sense. That's why it makes miracles. We have to stand by faith and fear will run. And I just want to, I just want to share a quick message. Do not let anybody manipulate your mind. There's not one positive aspect of socialism. It is socialism is the beginning. Communism is ultimately the end. I said socialism is a snake. It got in the house. It slithered in. Just a mask, just this, just that. Now you're in. Communism, communism will kill you because the bite will kill you. And that's why we have to create, innovate, and step out in faith. Let God bless your path.
0: Okay, the dream's still alive. John DeLemme, founder of the Conservative Business Journal. And the book is Making Capitalism Great Again. Thank you, John, for sharing your time and
2: insights. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate it.
0: By now, you've probably heard of the Freedom Convoy. They're truck drivers protesting Canadian government mandates requiring unvaccinated truckers to isolate for two weeks and produce negative COVID-19 tests before being allowed to re-enter Canada. So much for freedom up in the great white north. Truckers, and I am familiar with them, folks, because I have family members who are in the business. They earn their living by making as many runs as they can in the shortest time possible. So this is costing them money and the ability to support their families. It's almost like the Ottawa government is intentionally creating supply chain shortages. More shortages, more government control. Or maybe it's the reverse. The more restrictions the government imposes, the more things get messed up. I remember visiting Russia prior to the collapse of the Soviet Union. State control of the supply chain led to grocery store shortages like this. Look familiar? Well, it's not much different than some shelves we see today at Walmart or other stores. The man leading this craziness in Canada, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, is in quarantine, recovering from the coronavirus. He's got a lot of time on his hands to think this through, but my guess is he'll go with socialist instincts. Here's what he had to say earlier about the Freedom Convoy. I have attended protests and rallies in the past. Uh, when I agreed with the goals, when I supported the people uh, expressing their concerns and their issues. Black Lives Matter is an excellent example of that. But I have also chosen to not go anywhere near protests that have expressed hateful rhetoric, violence towards fellow citizens. Violent protest? I haven't seen reports about anyone getting hurt from this convoy, have you? But in contrast, remember the BLM and Antifa riots of 2020? No violence there, just some young people venting their frustrations over police injustice. I guess Justin Trudeau only represents the Canadians that agree with him. Meanwhile, Canadian Neil Young, who once sang Rockin' in the Free World, apparently is opposed to free speech. He threatened to pull his songs from Spotify if they didn't do something about Joe Rogan spreading COVID disinformation on the streaming service. Well, so much for Rockin' in the Free World, Neil. I guess your new song title should be Rockin' in a Woke World. Freedom, Censorship. You see the hypocrisy, folks? When will all this craziness end? Let's continue to pray about it. So, where do we start? How about with this prayer prayed by those truckers recently at the Canadian border? How
3: would be thy name? My kingdom come, thy will be done,
0: done on earth as, earth as it is in heaven. heaven. Forgive
3: us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine art the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever.
0: Amen. Now that doesn't seem violent to me at all, does it to you? Folks, let's keep praying for fewer restrictions and for freedom. Let's pray for love, understanding, and unity in our countries. And as in the Lord's Prayer, that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on the CBN News and NRB channels, social media, and our broadcast affiliates. And until next time, be blessed.